Hey y'all, welcome to Useful Idiots Colin, calling all useful idiots. Um, we are excited to be taking your calls. And of course, make sure that you watch us every Monday on YouTube right before this stream. Uh, you can, this Colin, you can find us at youtube.com slash useful idiots. And also please do make sure that you subscribe to us on Substack, uh, usefulidiots.substack.com. So let's take, we already got some callers. Also, please share this on social media. We want to make sure people hear about this. Um, so we already got some callers. So let's take Pedro. Uh, good morning, Katie and Aaron. Good morning. Uh, so I have an announcement to make. Uh, so some friends that uh, that are with me on this app, we, we, we kind of regularly talk with each other on our own shows. And yesterday I did my first ever show here on this app. It's called Readings. And, uh, and the subject of the show... Uh, so all these people are regular listeners to your show, Useful Idiots, and some of them actually call many times, like Andrew, Schnarf. So, uh, so and the subject of my first show was a critique of your show, Useful Idiots, Katie and Aaron. So do you mind if I kind of resume what I said on my first show yesterday, the critique of your show? Sure. You can, yeah. Okay, okay, just quickly, okay. Uh, so I said, uh, uh, so uh, Katie, you started as a comedian and Aaron is a journalist. Uh, and Aaron is uh, replacing Matt Tahibi. Uh, and somebody commented that initially it didn't was very well because uh, Aaron was not really into humor. He's a kind of a serious journalist. And somebody said, uh, it evolved into a good format because Aaron actually got into into your sarcastic humor, Katie. So that was a kind of a good combination in that regard. And I, I mentioned my- it helped when I went under. See what happened with uh, I re- like uh, I went under a brain operation to allow me to process humor, yeah, and to and, and to be able to understand jokes, and it worked. Uh, I came yeah. out on the other side, and now now I can I can it was laugh. I, yeah, yeah. So so shout out to uh, science. Yes, 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 yes. It it works well. Uh, And I said, uh, I also commented on Aaron's ability. When he takes calls here on Colin, uh, if the caller starts uh, being too repetitive and uh, starting talking like bullshit and stuff, uh, Aaron immediately cuts him off. Yes, so, okay, so so where's the critique? Because it, it sounds good so far. No, yeah, it's a, I'm I'm telling a crit, I mean I mean a critique in a good way. Oh, uh, okay, uh, okay, uh, okay. Uh, I'm I'm not uh, yeah. Uh, sorry if you misunderstood that. I'm a big fan of your show and you, Aaron and Katie. So, uh, so that was it. Uh, I, I mean, critique in uh, just. And I got it. Isn't yeah. Okay. And now like feedback um, yeah. analysis. Yeah, well, fair enough. Well, thank you. Thanks. Mm-hmm. That's very kind. I was expecting. Yeah. I was preparing uh, to get into, you know, another uh, tiff because uh, it's not, but uh, so I, I appreciate the compliment. So thank you. Oh, no, no, I'm not that Greg, I'm not Aaron, I'm not that Greg guy that called you yesterday. I actually talked about that guy, do you remember? The, the Nazi apologist. Well, you know, look, Greg's not here to defend himself, so I, I don't yeah, want to call yeah, him. Yeah, 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 sure, so, sure, sure. Okay, yeah. okay, no, no problem. Uh, yeah. I also actually talked about what you said about the, 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 the retired Admiral Mullen talking about the peace negotiations. It was yeah. a good, a good uh, thing. So uh, I invite anyone listening to, to go listen to the show and our shows, and uh, that's all I kind of have to say. Oh, cool. Today, uh, oh, uh, regarding the Assange uh, plug that you did at the end, uh, I, I would like to inform you that Fox News actually did a tweet about it on the web. That's Goddamn the- Fox News once again outlefting everybody. Yeah, it's unbelievable. Really unbelievable. Yes, yes. yes. Uh, so that's it for today. Uh, keep up the good work. Thank so, you. Thank thanks, you. Pedro. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Wow, positive feedback, Katie. Yeah, that's, positive you know, feedback. Geez. That's pretty cool. Yeah. yeah. That's amazing. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Thank you. You don't do that every day. Anytime. All right. Anytime. Bye. Thanks, Pedro. Carl. Hi, Carl. Hello. How are you, how are you guys doing this morning? Good. You? 
I am, I actually have a day off for once, so I'm very, very sleepy right now. So you'll have to excuse me if I, if I ramble for a second. I was just calling to see um, if you guys have been kind of keeping up on the little pieces of YouTube censorship that have been going on. Uh, obviously, Katie, you've had a, quite an, an extreme experience with censorship lately. Uh, and I was wondering if you've been paying attention to um, the Matt Orfala piece, the Russell Brands, the um, who else? Tim Dillon was censored, which was kind of interesting to me. Hmm. Going that far into not political talk, that they're going to censor people who are trying to make a joke. Um, and what you guys feel just in general. I'm curious if you guys are concerned about your your show on YouTube as a main source of, uh, of income. That's kind of my, my question this morning for you. Well, I will say that we back up. I don't know if you know this, uh, Aaron, but Brad Bloom, who is a producer of the Katie Halper show also, um, backs up our stuff from YouTube onto a, onto a drive. So just in case they try to take us down. Is the drive uh, under armed guard? Because that's uh, that's a big, <laughs> that's pretty bad. Was there? By the I way, so stands out there and just, and will grab oh, them. Okay, but, okay, good. As long as Bodie's guarding it, then I, yeah. then I feel sir. No, so apparently my audio was glitchy before. Is it better now? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Look, no. I mean, of course, you always have to be worried about censorship. But the you know the thing is like, what are you going to do? You know, what are you going to do? If it happens, it happens. But you just, it's a kind of thing where. We're all kind of helpless, like at the mercy of the YouTube gods. They have just like so much power. Everybody goes to YouTube. I mean, Rumble has become a thing, but... Right. And we are on Rumble. We are on Rumble, yeah, but nowhere near the power of YouTube. It's just... Right. Um, and I have to say, YouTube is a better platform. Just like, you know, it is. Not in terms of it's like, uh, it's like morality and it's like, it's like tolerance for basic free speech, but in terms of just like the, the app itself, I just think it's... It's easy to use, and of course, you know, they they told. I think I believe that they suppress stuff and that they boost other content that is more amenable to like the establishment line. But whatever, in terms of like functionality, I just think it just works better, and so that's where. Well, maybe we're not rumble. Say it again. Could be that we're just not used to rumble and stuff, but. Yeah, I just think YouTube's just designed so well, and uh, it's like that's. That's just how it is. You know? How much is YouTube paying you for this lip service, Aaron? <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, Curl, I mean, uh, of course, we're, we're always worried about it, but I just don't know. There's only so much we can do with that, you know? But we are I... back. Things, so oh, I'm stop. sorry. I'm sorry. What did you say, Katie? Oh, I, I so we are backing up our, our content, which is important because, like, you know, when Abby Martin got all her stuff taken down, I think luckily, like, her mom had saved a bunch of it. So shout out to Abby's mom. Yeah. But it is a very scary prospect, the idea that you can just be deleted. Yeah, no, I, the, the, um, the, the Chris Hedges purge earlier this year is, uh, was really disturbing to me. But, you know, uh, Chris actually, um, I don't even know how to put it. He seems more <laughs> a, a bit more revolutionary, a bit more hardline than than most of the other things that that I I listen to as far as is is putting his political opinions out there, and uh, I, I really appreciate that. I think he's a super important voice to have. But I, I will admit I paid for the YouTube Premium even beyond that, and then when it got to Matt Orfala's video, that was the last step for me, and I stopped paying. So now I'm dealing with all the ads on YouTube and. Right. It, I, man, the ads, it's, it's hard to deal with. So I've been trying to push, you know, like a little bit of rumble, uh, and mostly trying to find everything I can on Spotify. And, uh, as long as you're, you don't need video, it's, it's pretty much just as good. I, I don't know. Alphabet seems like the worst company in the world to me. So anybody that can go support you other places i would highly suggest it that's my thought for this morning and, and thank you guys i appreciate your time thank you thank you thanks all right amanda uh aaron can you call okay wait i got can you call on amanda 
Yes, I can. Uh, let's see here. Oh, I can't because I'm not a moderator. Okay, Amanda, are you there? I am here. Good morning. Good morning. So uh, this morning I made the mistake of going to the Katie Halper channel to look for useful idiots. That was my dumb, stupid, stupidity for the morning. Um, I, I really appreciated both of you um, being on Bree's show. Um, Aaron, you did a great job explaining some things that I didn't, in a way that I finally understood it. And and what fun it was to join you guys on YouTube and the and the call in simultaneous. It was a little hard because you can't mute your phone when you're on call in. So there was a little bit of feedback. So like I wanted to watch the video because I wanted to see your guys' expressions, but I couldn't right. like turn the sound off on my phone so I could still be in the caller queue. I mean it's just a right. stupid technical thing. It's not really a criticism. But I, it was yeah. it was really it, it it made it a much a much more um, fun fun day and I and I appreciate that. Um, m my question this morning is how when you when when you say on your show you know hit the like button and and sh and all that I use like on YouTube so I can find videos later that I want to rewatch. And and I th I don't know if the like helps as much as like I've shared you out to people or just talked to people and given them the link unrelated to something specific on when the show's actually on. And I think you could encourage people in addition to hitting the like button to tell a friend because that's actually a really good way to go viral. It's the way the old fashioned way of going viral is talking to right. people and letting them know. And I, I just wish you'd add that on because I think it does make a difference. And if you ask people to tell one friend, you know, maybe, maybe that'll help grow your channel too. I really appreciate how hard you work to get your show seen. And I, I do everything I can on my small level to, to do that for you guys. Great. Thank you. Good idea. I'm going to let somebody who has an actual real question instead of just a bunch of compliments and thoughts to, of my own. <laughs> Thank you. And, and, and thanks for that. And we will, we will do that. Um, and yeah. we appreciate everybody who shares the stuff we do. So it yeah. helps. Thank Share you. now. Share this right now. That's right. That's right. All right. Uh, no more Chris. No more Chris. There you go. Sorry. No I, I had to switch back. Um, I'm just curious what your thoughts are about all the strikes that are going on in Ukraine right now from Putin and from Russia and um, how the U.S. may react to that and uh, yeah. The strikes are uh, war crimes if they're killing civilians and hitting civilian targets and that's what it looks like they are from what I've seen so far. Um, they're also exactly what I've been trying to warn about for a long time and saying that the way Russia has fought this war is not the way people expected it, including myself. I mean, Russia did not go in with the forces that it needed to take over the country. And Russia, as you know, the New York Times has pointed out, has avoided attacking civilian infrastructure. And the point that I tried to make is, and just quoting what U.S. officials, officials were saying, which is that the most dangerous moments are yet to come. And that was inevitable if you kept prolonging the proxy war and blocking negotiations. So the way to avoid more Russian atrocities is to demand immediate negotiations and to stop this current strategy of just using Ukraine to weaken Russia. I mean, that's the guiding strategy. So as long as the U.S. has the policy that it has, it's going to sacrifice more Ukrainians um, until it can agree to diplomacy. And the outlines for diplomacy have been very clear. I don't have to repeat them now, but they've been on the table for a very, very long time. And uh, so anytime Russia bombs civilian targets, that's a war crime. Uh, and it underscores the need to have diplomacy to stop these war crimes from continuing. And yeah, how, the US, how the U.S. reacts, I, I mean, I, don't, you know, I just think they're going to keep doing what they're doing, just sending in more weapons. Like, they don't care about Ukraine. They just want to 
draw this out for as long as they can. Yeah, they Why don't do get... you think they have diverged and gone in at civilian targets now more I think than they have a, in the I past? Think, I, think, I think that's a response to the Crimea bombing. Okay. It just seems it's not – it's so much more than, than the bridge bombing, you know, 10 cities – uh, like they're like it's being reported as is drastically. Uh, it just seems like such a severe escalation on their part that I yeah. don't know how to read into. But um, anyway, thank you guys. Thank you. Okay, uh, Rich. Hello. Hi. Hey guys, how you doing? What good. Hey, I got a question. Um, well, this is a critique, maybe a format change. Um, we have and when Matt comes back, I say the three of you stay on and uh, you, re- you just redo it all as you become a religious thing and it'd be Aaron, Matt, and the Virgin Katie. How's that? Oh, I like it. Has a nice ring to it. <laughs> anyway, uh, I, approve. I, thought, <laughs> I thought maybe that uh, with the the Russian Russian escalation and uh, current uh, situation with the Saudis um, and OPEC in general, which which people don't realize OPEC is the United States. A lot of countries are involved in OPEC. It's not just Saudi. Um, but um, and the United States is a faithful member of OPEC, by the way, uh, that uh, the United States is talking about whatever they're going to do with the Saudis uh, in terms of maybe sanctions or or defensive weapons only whatever that's supposed to mean but um when is that when's that game is that game ever going to end where the united states either does a proxy war or, or does something like they they're doing in the ukraine or uh these sanctions just don't have teeth anymore it doesn't seem like it has any teeth in russia china is basically giggling at them um is this the is this the i, I don't want to say the hallmark because who knows what's going to happen you know when you get when you back an animal, a caged animal into a corner, they tend to act crazy. So, Rich Stark, your question is, does this proxy war have an end game? I, is, is the United States, are they, are they playing like three-tier chess? Or are, they just, are these desperate acts? I don't think so. I don't think anyone's playing chess. I just think that, you know... Uh, uh, Lloyd Austin said the goal is to, you, you know, uh, in this proxy war is to weaken Russia. And so I, and, and they thought, I think they could do that with the sanctions that hasn't worked. And so now I just think they want to draw this out as long as they can. I, I still think they're holding, I hope that they can crush Russia's economy. I think that they really want to have time to see if they can do that with the sanctions and limiting the price of Russian oil. There's things that haven't quite kicked in yet that they're hoping will do the trick. But I think that's just the plan. Um, they know this war has to end eventually. And uh, they were hoping maybe, I think, that the Russian people would turn against Putin and overthrow him. But that doesn't seem to be happening. So I just think uh, they're willing to drag this war out a little longer to uh, see if they can bleed Russia a little more. Yeah, which of course means bleeding Ukrainians a little more. Yeah. Well, do you think maybe that even the Russians miscalculated because they took Crimea so easily? Um, I think this is a miscalculation from everybody. I think they thought. Absolutely. They... Yes, absolutely. I totally. Think it, Russia, okay. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think Russia suffered from the same problem that the U.S. had with Iraq, where they thought they'd be greeted as liberators. But Ukraine put up a really impressive fight, you know, and um, I mean, that's obvious just with how limited the Russian invading force was. It just wasn't the sufficient numbers you need to take over a country. Uh, and they got their ass kicked in, in many areas. And um, that are. was rever- that was reversed in the summertime a little bit when Russia you know, handed Ukraine some major defeats. But the other major factor is, you know, NATO has been, you know, pouring in billions of dollars worth of weapons and also providing crucial intelligence and that, you know, so Russia is also fighting a NATO army at this point. But absolutely, right. absolutely. Like, like, do I think Putin snapped? And made a very big miscalculation. Yes, I do. I do think that. All right. Well, thanks. And, and consider that uh, changing to all religious format. I think it'd be great. <laughs> Thank you for the suggestion. Thank you. Okay. Anthony. Thank you. 
Happy Monday morning. Happy Monday morning, HMM. Oh, yeah, morning. It's a sad thing, but oh, well. Yeah, well, hey, it's actually about um, uh, Katie on the call in with Brianna the other day. And well, I tried to call in, but I didn't. But, um, you know, just about your censorship from the Hill, and that is a bad thing. And it's a good topic to cover, obviously, it needs way more attention. But um, I really didn't see it as a novel occurrence because Talib and the other ones, they get Omar, they get called anti Semites if they blink. So, I mean, yeah, it's a factual statement from a journalistic standpoint. It definitely deserves coverage. So the whole thing is good and right. But then during the call in, I don't know, it just kind of seemed uh, like you were shielding, I don't want to say shielding, but kind of, yeah, shielding them from criticism. Or, But I'm not sure what criticism was being pointed at or from whom, maybe from rbn or that just that kind of ideological viewpoint but i don't think they you know deserve any shielding or even to be cooperated with you know if i don't know if you said you went with to a fundraiser with them too on that call in i don't know if uh, that was just to cover the the anti-semitism charge or what but i think i think uh you need to hold them more to account the squad they're nowhere on this ukraine they're nowhere on censorship and assange uh except you know omar I mean, they're not very good at all. Yeah, I know that's your opinion. And you call in and say that a lot. And that's totally, you're free to do that. Um, I wasn't responding to RBN. I was responding to, in general, uh, what I see as uh, somewhat over-personalization of the critique of them, which I think feeds into a kind of a political, like, analysis that's not based in structural analysis. Uh, I went to that fundraiser because I was invited because of my Rashida thing and I met her and uh, yeah, that's about it. But I, I know you say this a lot. So you and I just disagree on how exactly to hold the squad responsible, I think. You sure do. Cause I've been to a fundraiser too and I got kicked out. I'll just leave it at that. Thank you. Have a good one. Okay, thanks. You too. Okay. That would have been funny if I had protested Rashida Tlaib at a fundraiser. Um, okay, Sam. Hey, hope you guys Hi. are having Monday. Happy Monday. Yeah, uh, well, I'll keep it brief and light. I just wanted to say um, it was great seeing you on uh, George's show yesterday. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I mean, I said it was going to be the Streisand effect uh, last week when I called you because if they had just let you on the story, a thousand, you know, plus people. Right. Now it's everywhere. Even Roger Walters was, Waters, excuse me, was talking about on Rogan, and uh, hopefully we get you guys up on Rogan. That'd be great. Yeah, but, Joe, uh, make it happen. Huh? Joe, make it happen. I'm just talking to Joe Rogan. Who's listening. yeah? Well, yeah, hit, hit maybe hit up Rogers. He might have more of a direct line to uh, yeah. Joe with that. But uh, anyway, just want to say always uh, love your work and uh, good luck. You guys got Greg about five callers down, so enjoy your Monday. Thanks. Later. Bye. Okay. Hey, Brent. Hello. Hello, can you hear me? Yep, can you hear you? Okay, um... So I watched the segment with um, Rihanna Joy Gray and how she defended you on the, uh, during one of your new segments. Yeah. And um, my question is, um, is, do you expect people to defend you or is, should that be like a, an exception? Because there was another situation where um, I think Aaron's familiar with this, uh, where uh, the Young Turks tried to use a a text message where Jimmy uh, Anna Kasparian claimed that uh, Jimmy Dore said, said, said something about her new skirt, and she tried to use that as like kind of like a not quite blackmail, but right. uh, something yeah. trying to shut oh, him yeah. up. So, um, with me and Bree. So, my question is: um, Should more people um, be? Exp- especially progressives who are against uh, corrupt politicians and corrupt media, should they be expected to speak out more whenever there's attempts of censorship by the establishment, such as in your case? Or is that something that 
people should not be expected to speak out and risk their uh, jobs and livelihood. I mean, I don't know what you mean should be expected. As in, is that a reasonable expectation, or do you mean morally? Yeah. Like, 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 what, what, what Brie did um, is should more people be expected to speak out as, if, especially if they if they identify with like um, being progressive, or should what Brie did be seen as kind of like an exception, kind of like um, something that shouldn't be expected of other people because they risk losing their jobs if they speak out. Yeah, I mean, I think it is an exception. I think most people don't do that. I think Bree did that, which was brave. Um, I would be nice if more people did that, but a lot of people don't want to bite the hand that feeds them, which I understand. Um, and, yeah, I thought you were accusing me of, like, blackmailing Bree with a text. No, 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 no. That, that uh, what happened with Jimmy Dore, which is just another example of, um, like, bigger news outlets trying to censor opinions they don't like so and nobody really spoke out except aaron and um it's seemed there was basically silence all across progressive media so your situation the jimmy door situation there seems like there's a hesitation by progressive media to call out uh nonsense censorship like attempts of censorship so my question was yeah it speaks to kind of the success of to some extent of the free Palestine movement, because I really admire, I mean, I really am grateful to Brie for doing that, but also within the left, it's, it's actually, it would, it would have been like bad optics. I mean, she did the right thing. I'm not minimizing the, the risk she took, but I also think it speaks to the strength of the free Palestine movement because it's like uncomfortable for leftists to be seen as, not critical of censorship on that issue, if that makes sense. Right, right. So what Brie did is kind of like, um, yeah, don't ex- if someone else gets fired or censored, don't ex- we shouldn't expect other people to do what Brie did. What Brie did was, I was surprised, honestly. Yeah. It, it was, so. What Brie did was very uh, principled and brave. And um, I agree, though, that not everyone should be expected to do it. In my own case, look, the whole reason why the um, middle-aged McCarthyites, a.k.a. the Young Turks, said that thing about Jimmy is because they got humiliated by calling me a Russian agent. You know, Cenk said I was paid by Russia. And, uh, <laughs> you know, so that's, why, that's when that whole uh, Me Too thing, the fake Me Too thing they did against Jimmy came up is because they were getting embarrassed by that and they needed to deflect. And that didn't work because they couldn't even keep their story straight. They, they told two different, completely contradicting accounts of what Jimmy allegedly said. Jank said that Jimmy looked up her skirt, right? And Anna said that, no, he didn't do that. So they couldn't even keep their lies straight. And that failed. But look, I was surprised when um, after they said all that stuff about me that more people didn't make fun of them and didn't speak out because, you know, accusing someone of working for you know, a bad guy country for any country. It's just, that's, that's McCarthyism. And I was surprised that, you know, more people didn't speak out, but some people did. And, uh, you know, I learned from that is you actually can't expect people to speak out on things that aren't their business. And it's, it's fair enough. And in the case of Bree, she does work for the outlet. So they put her in a bad position because yeah. it's like, you know, by having an official censorship policy, aside from the fact that, you know, her and Katie are friends. Now she's got to deal with the fact that the outlet she works for ha- is like censoring uh, you know, commentary on a really important topic. So she had to address that. I thought that was very, very, very principled the way she did it. Right, but she could have stayed silent because she could, because she she could have thought, oh, um, if I say something, I could be fired, lose my job. Yeah. Um, I'll stay silent and talk to Katie on the side. But no, she went on air to yeah. say that, which which shocked me because, like, she's risking being censored in another way. Like, they won't directly say that she, they fired her because of what she said about. The Katie situation, but they'll find other ways to fire her. So that they that must have been going through her mind before she went on air to say that. So I thought what she was 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 great in my opinion. Well, the importance of having non corporate media jobs because if she were to get fired, it would make a big difference. But she also has Colin and she has bad faith. So a reminder how important it is to have multiple um, venues. So you're not reliant right. on that. 
Right, right. But I think they'll find a way to fire, like, what she said, like, they're not going to like what she said. Like, they're going to find a, they won't fire her, they're going to find a way to fire her. I wouldn't be, I would be surprised if they didn't fire her. Like, they're going to find a way, in my opinion, because what she said is not, um, you're not supposed to do that, apparently. You're supposed to keep in line with whatever your boss tells you to say, apparently. Well, let's hope they don't, because, uh, no, it's never good when someone gets fired. And I think uh, hopefully they'll, I hope they'll see the error of their ways. Um, but I don't know. I mean, uh, Katie, is there anything, I mean, is there any, has been, has there been any sign that they're going to change their policy on being editorials about Israel, Palestine? No, no, nothing. No. Oh, right, well, that's too bad. Okay. Well, Brent, thank you for the call. All right. Thank you. I will say it's quite possible that Bree will be able to do something on that because now that they've been exposed as that, they yeah. won't want to that way. Fair enough. Be a Fair enough. Fair enough. Okay. Uh, Bobby. Hey. hey. Uh, first of all, uh, Katie, uh, tip of the hat to you to, you know, picking a hill to die on. You should probably do some t-shirt or a hat with something oh, yeah. to do yeah. along those lines. Dying on that hill. Yeah. That's good. I'm I picked it from Kurt on, on, on Jimmy's show. They commented something like uh, days after it happened. And he was like, see, she was on our show and she was saying something about, you know, you have to pick a hill to die now. And then she goes and did. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, serious question. Uh, do we know of any examples in human history where we had this biased media that we have today, also like within countries like US, for example, or UK, Germany, what have you? And internationally, like, you know, the whole, you know, West versus Russia thing or China. Uh, I mean, we, we use the term balkanization. I know because I'm from the region, uh, but the term is kind of BS to me because this existed way before the conflict in the Balkans. But I witnessed it when uh, it's like 10 people die today because of a bomb exploded, right? And depending on which TV station you're going to be looking at, they're going to tell you that the victims belong to, you know, them and the attackers were to the opposite side. And that's just like, you know, seared into everybody's uh, thought. Like, do we have any examples that situation like that actually de-escalated and not just like culminated into a total bloodshed? I don't know. I can't think of one, but that's a good question. Huh. See, because I was thinking about it the whole day. I was like, I got to ask you guys. I So <laughs> how far do you think, um, how, how short is the public memory and how far is the media hypocrisy going to go? Because yesterday we saw the Kirch attack, right? portrayed as hooray yeah freedom and democracy liberated six millions died or how many like that was like a good thing we supported you know collectively as west we supported the, a terrorist attack on civilian structure right and today the you know the the shoe is on the other foot and we're calling out for war crimes and, and sanctions and all it's like is is public memory really shorter than 24 hours these days yes <laughs> Yes, the news cycle moves so quickly, and of course, the media will ignore stories that are inconvenient to the narrative. And so, you know, for example, like Nord Stream, that's a major thing. Bombing a pipeline that supplies gas to all of Europe that costs $20 billion, that's a major act of sabotage. It's gone from the news. We're not even talking about it anymore. And that's just how it works. And it, it, it's not the public's fault because, you know, they're not the ones making the editorial decisions. It's, just, it's the people who are in high levels of, of newsrooms who all just tow the party line. It, it's their responsibility. I guess it makes sense because, like the previous caller said, you know, people are worried also about, you know, their livelihood. And if you, you know, you don't have it too bad. And, you know, why, sh um, what do you call it? Uh, not stir the pot or sh rock the boat. Um, question, which is sort of like general. Uh, like I grew up in, in, in the 90s and there was this sense of West slowly but surely losing its moral high ground, you know, internationally, because I'm not from US. And then, you know, with 9-11, it all sort of like split in, in a way where, you know, US and pro-Western went like full on, you know, uh, anti-terrorism. The rest of the world went sort of like what's going on. 
so like that's the moment for me when internationally West has started losing the moral high ground, which it has lost, you know, well <laughs> through last presidents Bush as well. And so like why why is nobody in the West? I'm talking institutions like including like the the, the Schwab thing, the we, uh, WF and all. Why they're not trying to like do some resemblance of regaining that you know moral high ground that they claim they had. Uh, it, but instead, they're trying to fake it in, in, in such a like a I don't know transparent, dumb way. Yeah, uh, they never, in my opinion, have ever had any moral high ground, and continue yeah, to pretend that they do. Um, Bobby, thank you for the call. We're gonna we're gonna uh, move on because we have a. I just see we have a lot of callers and limited time. Okay, okay. We're gonna enter a speed round, everybody. So we're not gonna have. Can, can gonna, I just one sentence? Sure, yeah. go ahead. I found this quote today, and it's from Genghis Khan. The greatest happiness is to scatter your enemy and bite him before you, to see his cities reduced to ashes, to see those who love him shrouded and in tears, and to gather to your boss and his wives and daughters. Genghis Khan. Wow. Thank you, guys. Yeah, well, you know, hey, some people have their... Some people have different ways of being happy, and that's uh, that. That was Genghis Khan's way of finding happiness, <laughs> and uh, you know, that kind of reminds me of Anthony Blinken. <laughs> yeah, okay. but unfortunately, he has some contemporaries today. Okay, thank you, uh, Charles. Hey, can you hear me? Yes. Did you see last night where he trashed trashed Rob Robbie from the hill over that Jalen Walker? Um, segment that he did with Oliami and how uh, Oliami basically handed him his. Did you know what? I did not see it. No, it no. Fun. I was surprised that you know, that must be humiliating for Robbie to be called out on a major, made fun of on a major show like that. Uh, you know, I don't know. I don't know. Or maybe Robbie doesn't care about John Oliver. You know, I um, personally, I mean, I'm probably on this issue. I'm probably on John Oliver's side of the debate, but at the same time, you know, John Oliver has had some pretty terrible takes when it comes to foreign policy, in my opinion. Like, so I, uh, but who knows? I don't know. Um, maybe Robbie will clap back. We'll have a Robbie John Oliver uh, war. Yeah. Yeah. But I'll watch that. Thank you, Charles. Thanks, sure. Charles. Okay. Brianna. Hi, Brianna. Hi. Sorry, I couldn't figure out how to unmute. Um, I just love you both so much. I'm so appreciative of everything that you do. You guys are just Aww. a gem in the world today. And Katie, I'm so sorry about what happened with the Hill. That whole situation was just horrifying and alarming. Okay. And I just really respect you so much for taking a stand for Palestine and just hats off to you both. Um, I wanted to look at, uh, ask you guys a little bit more about um, the media and this kind of soft censorship by omission that um, that ha it has pretty much become the status quo right now with um, like the media basically choosing what stories to focus on and how to spin the narrative and then omitting things that are actually hugely factual and relevant to people. Israel apartheid is, you know, an obvious example. Assange, NATO scuttling the the uh, Ukraine-Russia negotiations, the lab leak, uh, the Hunter Biden story. There's so many examples of, you know, news that is newsworthy and totally relevant to the American people and factual, um, but that the media just kind of censors by omission. And, um, and I wonder if you guys have any insight on what is the, like, what is the ultimate end game? Like, we know that these, you know, large media companies are owned by, you know, bajillionaires that we can, I think, safely assume don't have good intentions for the, for the future of the people. What is the end game? Like, where does this end up? Armageddon as uh, Joe Biden. Uh, I don't know. I mean, look, um, you know, history has uh, a long record of people, you know, taking down systems of oppression and coercion and, 
maybe the media will be among that. You know, I mean, who knows? I mean, look, I will say that right now, in my lifetime, I've never seen trust in the media so low. And yeah. of course, people in the media see that as a terrible thing. I think it's a wonderful thing yeah. because they shouldn't trust the media because the media are no different than the other people in power. They're another center of power. So that's encouraging. And, you know, look at the explosion in, in, in independent news shows and yes. outside voices. And now, of course, there's a danger to that because then you'll have some people channeling their outrage at the system into people like Alex Jones and right. other, you know, characters like that. And there are many of them. Right. But uh, the underlying distrust in authority is a good thing. And it just needs to be channeled into people who actually are telling people the truth. And that's a challenge because when you tell the truth, there's a lot of things in the way. But, you know, I I, I look around the media system right now and you, there's a lot of reasons to be depressed. I mean, it's so, you know, it's very toxic. But at the same time, the fact that there's at least mistrust in the traditional media, I think, is a very encouraging thing. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And just um, one more thing. Aaron, I think it would be so fun to have your dad on Useful Idiots. Oh yeah. Yes, we've talked about that. I uh, he's you know he's in the he's right now he's on his uh, book junket and he's got a million things booked and so when things calm down for him, I will uh, I'll talk to him and we'll do something. But I you know he's um he's doing uh, a whole bunch of things right now and I just don't want to add one one more thing to his schedule. But uh, yeah. we, oh, we will we will for sure. Okay. And on the no. yes. Awesome. Love you guys. Right. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks so much. Okay. Uh, and it's um, resident uh, pro proxy war, useful idiots correspondent, Greg. Hello, Greg. Oh, that was fair. <laughs> I was calling to give you props, Aaron, um, for calling uh, what Russia is doing in Ukraine today a war crime and, and an atrocity. Um, uh, you know, I mean, of course, the entire war, everything Russia has done from the beginning has been a war crime and an atrocity, but at least today you uh, correctly identified it, and that was uh, good, you know, especially after yesterday when you you called uh, the bomb, bombing of the Kerch Bridge a terrorist attack, which, like, hours after the Kremlin called it that. Um, well, how would you define a, it not a terrorist attack? I would define it as destroying a supply line that goes from Russia to occupied Ukraine during a war when Russia is invading and occupying Ukraine. It was definitely a major supply line, definitely a legitimate military target. Whereas what would you call what Russia is doing today? You called, you said the West is bleeding Ukrainians. Uh, isn't a Russia bleeding Ukrainians today as they bomb tons of cities they have nothing to do with the battle at this point or far from any front right. line. Right. I mean, we acknowledge that Putin's the one doing it, but also that the West, by discouraging diplomacy, has blood on its hands also. Is Russia bleeding Ukrainians today? Yes, as as well as the U.S. The U.S. is doing that as well. Uh, I will say, look, if Ukraine can prove that, the, that there was a... Uh, that the bridge had a you know military purpose then i guess you have a point to you can say it's not a terrorist attack because you know if there were military supplies being moved across the bridge then okay i can i think it's debatable but the problem is you still have civilians being bombed on a civilian bridge because that bridge has civilian purposes as well and that bombing apparently killed civilians and so that's why if i did call it a terrorist attack that's what i meant by that I'm surprised that you don't know that it's a major. Of course, it's a major military supply line. Um, well, I, what way, I, what I, I know it's used know to move military supplies, but in terms of military supplies for the war going into Crimea, I think the major supply lines for Russia go through elsewhere, uh, including Mariupol. By the way, in a past show, uh, a caller asked you about um, the neo-Nazi presence in Russia, including how it's supported by the Kremlin. And that caller gave you links and everything. Um, I was surprised that you didn't know anything about it. And uh, have you had a chance to look up those links and do your own research? I have not. But I will say, one thing I forgot to mention is that my main source for the presence of the far-right neo-Nazis inside Russia is actually U.S. intelligence. 
because U.S. intelligence put out a report last year or earlier this year on the presence of the far right and neo-Nazis in uh, Ukraine. And they found basically that while there is a, a presence of fringe groups, that they're not a uh, major component. I will um, pull it up right now. Uh, Have you heard of the Wagner Group? Or maybe, um, Greg, I think you're on speaker because there's an echo. Hang on, see if I can fix that. Is that better? Um, say something, Aaron. No, it's still an echo. It's okay, we're not going to silence you. Oh, that could be me here. Hold on. Maybe I'll, I'm on speaker. Hold on. Well, but we you, could uh, uh, talk about the the neo-Nazis in Russia another day. Anyway, if you have all these I'll say callers. this. Yes, I'll say this. So this was a report from the Office of the Director of National Intelligence, and I will put a link to it in the chat. And it says that the U.S. government lacks, quote, indications of direct Russian government support for foreign white nationalist groups. And uh, the, the report is called Russian Federation Support of Racially and Ethnically Motivated violent extremists and what it found is that there is basically none <laughs> have you heard of the wagner group i have heard of the wagner group you know that they're a neo-nazi mercenary organization that has uh, been connected to mass murders and rapes all across africa where um, russia has intervened uh, in order to get access to resources etc i'm sure that they have uh committed atrocities look the idea do you know that who's, who oh, created? Do you know who the created idea, the, the idea? Group? The idea that they're neo-Nazi strikes me as really strange. You know, I, I'm open to the possibility that they are. I don't really know uh, the Wagner Group that well. I've never it's actually news. been to It's but, in the but, news this okay. week. Yeah, it's in the news. This. The idea that the Russia. Okay, listen. There, I think that one of the reasons why it's so hard to believe that Russia openly fosters neo-Nazi groups is that this is a country. They lost like 27 million people to the Nazis. And that is a huge wound on the national psyche. 27 million people. The U.S. in the Second World War lost, what, a few hundred thousand soldiers? Soviet Union lost 27 million people fighting the Nazis. And I, that's why I find it hard to believe that right now, all of a sudden, there's this uh, shift towards supporting neo-Nazis. It doesn't quite a close aid to Putin, uh, like described it as, as his best friend sometimes, uh, who has been linked to the group for years, just came out this month and said, yes, I created this group, and he funds them. He came out. I'm surprised you don't know about that. And, and who is that? Um, Pro, I like, can't really Pro, pronounce his name. Pro, it's either, like, that's yeah, it, yeah, yes. Yeah, that's yeah. it, yes. And you're, and you're calling him a neo-Nazi? No, I'm calling the group a neo-Nazi. It's well-documented. You should look it up, and we'll talk about it next time so okay. you'll know about neo-Nazis in Russia. You should post your, your evidence for that in the chat. I just posted that intelligence report I mentioned, and, uh, and we can leave it there. Thank All you, right. Greg. Have a good day. You Slava too. Ukraini and not Raytheon. Slava Raytheon. Okay. Slava Thank Ukraini. You, <laughs> okay. All right. All right. Not really. Okay. Uh, Hello. I'm sorry to laugh at that, but anyway. Oh, okay. it's, yeah. It's kind of... It's, it's it's kind of like fine where like I don't know if they if if Grant really knows this but <clears> Australia <throat> had like uh, naval ex had ex naval exercise with the Japanese with the rising sun so I guess he should investigate it if they uh, have you know you know uh, put put down some notes and did, uh, did some war crimes and stuff like that but anyway I I was a bit carried away, but but let me just go. say let me just say quickly. You know the reason why I mean one of the reasons why I don't say Slava Ukraini, and this it's very it's very relevant to our topic. And, and Greg, you know I, I wish I'd said this when you're still online. So I, I'll, I apologize. I'm saying this now when you're not on the not speaking anymore. But if you want to come back and respond to this, Slava Ukraini comes from uh, the League of Ukrainian Fascists. That's where Slava Ukraini comes from. Glory to Ukraine. That's what, it was invented in the 1920s by the uh, League of Ukrainian Fascists, which doesn't sound like a peace group to me. And then um, the second part of that, which is Harayam Slava, that was added by Stefan Bandera's uh, unit in Nazi-occupied Krakow, okay? And Bandera, of course, was a Nazi collaborator. So in people who say now Slava Ukraini don't realize they are 
repeating a Nazi-era battle cry used by Nazis. And it's especially ironic to say that while you're accusing other people of being Nazis. All right. Sorry, V. Sure. Go ahead. No worries. Um, it's uh, about the UN General Assembly uh, just, ha- uh, just happened recently. And I was wondering, what's your take on uh, Ukraine... Um, essentially wanted to oh, like, I don't know uh, Ukraine wanted to remove Russia in as part uh, to, uh, uh, from the Security Council of the UN That's just not going to happen yeah. That's not going to happen No, it's, you just, to do that I think you need um, to do that, I mean they're a permanent member of the Security Council I think it's basically impossible so yeah, people have talked about that, but I don't think that's a real prospect. Okay. Uh, so my second po- uh, question is like, why, like, amidst of all the media trying to essentialize uh, today's attack as like Russia's uh, fault for uh, for killing civilians? Yeah, sure. Uh, Russians have committed like you said, war crimes, uh, which I find nothing wrong with that. But why, why are we listening to NATO, uh, to the people from the NATO high ups when they're, they have committed far more, you know, um, military, uh, military uh, operations that, that have uh, civilians died uh, Great from, point. Great from point. Their, from their from their uh, invasions and and bombings. That's like, a great point. Bolivia. I mean, what like the, the whole point would be so pointless if NATO can keep its mouth shut and not trying to pull, pour in uh, uh, pour in arms to the neo Nazis. Which, by the way, it happened before the invasion uh, of Ukraine by Russia. They, they, yes. they, yes, they trained the neo-Nazis, they trained the ADAR battalion, they trained the, uh, the yeah, whatever uh, various flavor of neo-Nazis in Ukraine to shell, you know, the that's correct. region. That, yeah. That's correct. V, thank you for the call. Thank you. No worries. Thank you. Okay, we're trying to get to as many as we can before we have to sign off. Andrew, go ahead. Hello, can you all hear me? Yep. Yeah. Um, calling into Katie's show uh, a few days ago, but uh, apparently Colin was, uh, for whatever reason, having a server overload that day. And so even though I was seeing myself on the caller list, Katie wasn't. Um, That was a fun time. Uh, But I wanted to say that um, I, too, uh, I wanted to share my solidarity as someone who I just remembered uh that day when you were talking about censorship um at the poor people's campaign event to their credit the washington post wrote an article about it um near the bottom of the article there's a picture of code pink's uh contingent and the uh demilitarize everything tank that they uh were next to and i was in that picture or at least the left half of me was. Uh, and the reason for that uh, is most likely, because the picture is huge, it's like 7,000 pixels wide, uh, so they could have easily stepped back like two steps and had all of me. But my speculation for why they didn't is that in my right hand I was holding a Palestinian flag, and I don't think they were willing to go that far and post the rest of that picture. Um, but then also I wanted to, uh, recommend, um, Medea Benjamin wrote a book on the Ukraine war, uh, and she's doing a book tour to promote it. And so if she has time that, uh, that you could interview her for either of your shows. Done and done. We booked her for, I think what, next week, Katie? The 16th. Yeah. 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 So done and done. Nice. Yeah. Thank you, Andrew. Cool. 
Thank you. Yep. Okay. Olu. Hello, Aaron. How are you? Hi. Hello. Hi. Um, can you hear me? Yes. Oh, sorry. Um, do you think there's going to be a regime change in Saudi Arabia after the November elections? I doubt it. I doubt it. Um, I don't know Saudi Arabia too well, but I, but I doubt it. I doubt it. I think uh, MBS is pretty entrenched. and But who knows? You know, that's the thing. You never know what the CIA will get up to. You never know. They're so goofy and wacky They're, and very unpredictable. So who knows? Um, but it doesn't seem, yeah, I mean, from where I sit, I don't think he, he, he doesn't look vulnerable right now. What do you think? Are you asking me or Katie? Oh. You. Oh. Well, because he's not, you know, he's, he's not, he feels like he's, he's like, um, focusing, he wants to join partnership with Russia and China. So I don't know if the U.S. likes that. So, you know. Yeah. 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 Well, it's a good question what the U.S. will do if he gets too uh, disobedient. Thank you, Olu Flicol. Thank you, Brian. Uh, Christopher. Hello there. Hi there. Hello. Hey, how are you all doing today? Uh, we're great. Good, good. Uh, like everybody else, I will shower you with praise. Uh, long time fan. And I just want to say I sincerely appreciate the work that you do. Uh, it helps to bring a little clarity and an ocean of confusion, uh, especially as a typical stupefied American who uh, has to kind of wade through the extraordinary amount of propaganda to even get a baseline of understanding of what is happening, particularly in Ukraine. And I wanted to thank you for the interview that you did with Colonel McGregor. I found it insightful and sobering. Uh, to say the least. And I have kind of a crystal ball question, not crystal ball as in the host of Breaking Points, but... Um, Prediction. Yes, exactly. If, I'm just curious, if Berlin were to suddenly change with, you know, let's say the winds of change, great Scorpions song and relevant perhaps, in some way, uh, towards a more Moscow-driven relationship. Um, do you feel that that would have any great impact on uh, sort of American uh, distaste for war? If we did see, uh, you know, a major EU country suddenly change its opinion uh, of what is happening there and... Uh, step away from U.S. Uh, hegemony and uh, a NATO yeah, alliance. Yeah. Um, I definitely think there's been a lot of investment in coercing, in, in, in coercion toward Germany, because without Germany, it's very hard to keep the proxy war alliance going. Germany is the heart of the European economy, and uh, it has close proximity geographically to Russia. So if it was not on board with the proxy war it'd be a lot harder to wage it and a lot harder to maintain sanctions against Russia. And so if there was a change in Germany, then I do think that would make a very big difference and make it a lot harder for you know the current policy toward Russia to continue. But I just think a lot of investment has been made and I have to wonder who behind the scenes has been threatened or bribed or incentivized to go along with Washington. Because you have people like, like the Green Party in Germany they're so pro-NATO pro to the point where even, like, I don't know if you saw the clip recently of the German foreign minister who said, like, I don't care what my voters think. Yes. I'm going to support Ukraine, you know. I, I so, almost felt like I was watching an American politician. Yeah, well, exactly. So the question is, like, you know, how co-opted are these people? And those, are kind of, those are the kind of things we never learn about until 50 years later. Or, so, you know, I just think a lot of effort has been made to bring Germany on board and... Uh, you know, Angela Merkel is someone who was not fully on board. She built the Nord Stream pipeline over U.S. protests and over threats from the U.S. But Merkel had decided that the Nord Stream was so in her country's interest that she didn't care. 
But then she left, and then Schultz came in, and he's completely caved to the U.S. He tried to put up a little bit of a fight on Nord Stream, but he caved in the end. And, um, you know, he's bringing his country, I think, down with him. But we've seen that the U.S. is, uh, logistically, it would be, they, we are an ad- inadequate supplier of energy resources to that region. Uh, That's right. Germany's already, Germany's already accusing the U.S. of profiteering, <laughs> charging astronomical prices. And so, yeah, they're, they're paying the price for going along with Washington. And uh, I think, you know, uh, it will take some sort of revolt from their people for anything to really change. And, and we'll see if that happens. So, my, Christopher, thank you for the call. Yeah, thank you so much. I appreciate you. Okay, Jenny. Hey, I um I had a nervous breakdown 34 years ago, and in a hallucinatory state, I believed nuclear war. I saw mushroom clouds and bombs going off, and it really was how I was terrorized by this very real threat that it depicted itself in my in my altered mental state. So one of the things I did over these last three decades is learn the facts about how to survive a nuclear war, and wow. it was very very therapeutic to do that. So I just was wondering how you guys felt about the absolute lack of preparation. I'm a prepper, no talk from the government outside of they just did some huge purchase of the drug that you give to people who are suffering from radiation sickness, which I think just amped up everybody's anxiety factors a bit. I'd love to see some real hands-on education of our people that if a bomb were to go off in the middle of America, what do we do? And so, um, to that end, I'd love to just share one or two things people could do right now, because at the very idea of having a nuclear war, people get terrorized. And when that happens, you freeze and you become unable to act. And, and it's very terrorizing to just think about that reality. And one of the ways to push back against it is to just do some simple preparations. So, you know, you want to shelter in your house for two or three days. That's the worst, especially if the wind is headed in your direction, bringing a cloud of radiation. You want to be prepared to stay in your home sheltered for about two weeks. Then it starts to dissipate. And even if there's one bomb that goes off and that's it, um, it's going to affect all of North America just because everybody's going to be terrorized. And so if you can just kind of prepare for that and put in some water and a little bit of food, it really helps. And then if the radiation pills are gone because everybody's bought them, they're, they're going off the shelves right now, you can put in a supply of kelp which is really high in iodine and take that to help protect your thyroid gland. And so it's just a couple little practical things like this that I would love to see more discussion about yeah. to help prepare, prepare people for these realities. Okay. Well, thanks Jenny. And you know, me personally, um, I want to see people protest the fact that we're even in the situation where we have to be thinking about how to deal with a nuclear war. And, you know, 40 years ago this year in June of 1982, there was a massive protest in Central Park in New York City. Over a million people came out against, you know, the proliferation of nuclear weapons and demanding arms control. And that had an impact. Uh, you know, not long after that, Gorbachev and Reagan started making deals. So, yeah, that, and why, why is that, it only Code Pink and Medea Benjamin? Yeah, that's a great question. Who are the it's ones speaking up about this? It's, it's like you don't hear it anywhere. It's a great question. And, and, and then know, NBC I, News yeah. comes out and says, oh, don't be worried about the Health and Human Services buying these these drugs. They yeah. do that every year. And it's like, I'm sorry, I don't need your platitudes. We need some facts. You know? Absolutely. Absolutely. And it, it is true that Code Pink and other groups like that have been shouldering the burden of trying to keep the anti-war movement alive. And otherwise, it's been kind of decimated. And I blame many things, including Obama, who kind of sent the anti-war movement home after he beat um, uh, John McCain in 2008 and ended the Bush dynasty, but then said, all right, so, you know, the anti-war movement's done, basically, and uh, don't worry about it. I- I'm a law well, professor, so, so it, you I know. have some real concern for young families, and you yeah. think the baby formula uh, scandal was hard on babies. If we get into a wartime footing and families are terrorized and you can't get stuff in the stores... My number one advice to young moms is breastfeed your babies. Mm. Just do whatever it takes to breastfeed them mm. as a, you know, just preventative against the time of. Thank you. Thanks for the call. Uh-oh. Thank you for the call. Okay. Baby formula lobby, cut that off. Uh, Eric. Hi, Eric. 
Yeah. Sorry, Eric. You'll have to come next time. Daniel. Daniel, are you there? No, Daniel. Okay, Brady. Hey, Hi. Dude. Clear. You know, I think my is actual mushrooms. You know, of course, force the payout. Uh, I think uh, y'all's brilliant idea. It's time to force the force payout. The payout. Uh, there was, yeah, there was a talk with Roger Waters from Pink Floyd and Joe Rogan the other day, and he's been making some rounds and some interviews. And one of the things that he brought up was that, man, back in his day, like the kids were out there fighting the war. You know, they, they didn't take no bullshit. They weren't sitting on their hands. They were angry. They were in the streets. They were throwing themselves into the gears, you know. And he was kind of like, what happened? Like, what, you know, what kind of happened to the movement? And I would suggest that, you know, a lot of those kids back in the day in, in college campuses in his day were on mushrooms and LSD psychedelics, you know, and that's where they got a lot of that energy from. And I get a lot of pushback from all kinds of people saying, okay, hippie mushrooms aren't the magic bullet here. But one, I would challenge them to find a better metaphor for a magic bullet and two, I would remind them that the FBI used Charles Manson and the Manson murders to demonize the psychedelic movement and completely wipe it out. And a lot of that's been revealed in this amazing new book called Chaos, A Secret History of the 60s and Charles Manson. The first half of the book is about Charles Manson. The second half of the book is about all the FBI agents and law enforcement surrounding Charles Manson and the larger narrative they're trying to establish in Roman Polanski and uh, some of the terrible things he was doing to Sharon Tate. Um, absolutely incredible book. Um, can't recommend it enough if you guys haven't checked it out. Thanks, Brian. You know, I haven't heard of that, so thank you. Have you seen the new Michael Pollan series, How to Change Your Mind? Yeah, that's kind of milk toast for me. <laughs> so that, recommends- that's that's milk toast psych- psychedelia. Yeah, you know, he recommends the clinical setting thing. And I'm like, yes, that's important and cool and everything. But let's be honest, if we're responsible enough to use alcohol, I think we're responsible enough to use mushrooms. Alcohol is overtly a more dangerous substance and, than mushrooms. And so so is Adderall for that, that reason. And, and, you know, oxycodone, like these substances are infinitely more dangerous and harmful to society than mushrooms, you know. Well, so. Hey, this whole clinical setting thing is kind of yeah. like, all right, dude. <laughs> I, I totally agree. And uh, look... In a uh, bleak time, that's a great way to end today's show on a note of uh, yeah, of optimism. Yeah, desperate times call for fun measures. I hear that. Force the payout. Desperate times call for fun guys. Yes, that's right. That's right. Thank you, Brady, <laughs> for the call. Thanks to everybody who uh, joined us today. We really appreciate you spending some time with us. Uh, Usefulidiot.substack.com to support us, and uh, we'll see you next time. See you next time. Thanks all.